And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's bow for a word of prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the songs that have been sung tonight. Thank you for the spirit of worship that's been in this place, for the testimonies. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to touch us and help us these next few moments. Most of all, I pray that the Spirit of God would do the work that no man can do. Save the lost, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to simply look at these verses tonight as a whole, and I want you to think about what Jesus said when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. I know this is not a Christmas message, but it is definitely the message that God has laid upon my heart tonight. As I said in my office this afternoon, I said, Lord, I would pray that you would speak to my heart. And John chapter 3 came to my mind. And I know that God doesn't do anything by chance or circumstance or by accident. God knows every heart. He knows every need that's in this building. I in no ways would try to say anything to manipulate someone into getting saved. But I think the gospel has enough power to reach the heart of any sinner. And the Spirit of God can draw them and bring them to an altar of repentance and place of confession. When you think about this text tonight, John chapter 3 seems to stand out differently. Uh, it's one of those passages that even though all the Word of God is good and all the Word of God is, is wonderful, there are certain passages that seem to just stand by themselves when we come to them. And when you think about the book of John, we think about John chapter number 3. I think there's several reasons why this is true. One, I believe because in the first few verses of this chapter here in verses 1 through 10, we see here the world's greatest tragedy. You say, what do you mean, preacher, the world's greatest tragedy? Well, the Bible said that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, this was a real man. He has a name. He's not a figma of our imagination, but Nicodemus was a man that lived upon this earth at one time. He was a very religious man. The Bible said he was a ruler of the Jews. And the tragedy of this text here is that here's a man that comes to Jesus. He is stooped in religion. He knows a lot about the Old Testament. He knows a lot about the Messiah that is to come. But even though he is uh, uh, conversed very well in religion and he knows religion very well, he's a very religious man. He does not know the way of salvation. And I want to tell you tonight, that is the world's greatest tragedy, is that there are many tonight, multitudes, uh, uh, that think they're going the right way, think that they know what the way of truth is. You say, preach how can you know truth? We know truth because we have the word of God. Amen. You see, you didn't come tonight to hear what I had to say. You didn't come to put your faith in my word, but I'm glad we have a copy of God's word tonight. Everything that we believe, we believe it out of this blessed old book. Amen. I'm glad that I'm not a Catholic tonight. I don't go and take a man's word. I don't go and pray to a man and ask forgiveness of a man, but we have a high priest. The Bible said that is passed in the heavens. Uh, Jesus, the 
the Son of God. And I'm glad that, thank God, he entered once in that holy place, uh, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And here's a man that knows religion, but yet he does not know God. He said the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Master or Rabbi, he said, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So he knew that Jesus was a man of God. He knew that Jesus was a great prophet. But I want to tell you, he was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a rabbi, as we just heard a while ago. He is the Son of God. Amen. And what they sung about, what Brother Allen sung about, the wonder of wonders. Uh, he's God in the flesh. Amen. I want to tell you, Jesus wasn't just a teacher, but he's the Savior of this world. Amen. The tragedy of the text is that religion cannot do what salvation can do. If you put your faith and trust in religion, you'll die and go to hell without God. You may be here tonight and say, well, I go to church. I've been raised in church all my life, and that's commendable, but it doesn't have a thing to do with going to heaven, friend. When you think about Jesus spoke to him, Jesus answered in verse number three, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, it'd be awful to be a drunkard tonight and a heathen in this world. Never heard the Bible, never, never heard a preacher preach, never read the Bible, never knew anything about the way of salvation and die without God and go to hell. But it'd be far worse to have heard the gospel, to heard about the glories that heaven had to offer, the splendor, the beauty of heaven, the wonder of heaven, the peace and the tranquility that heaven has to offer, the joys of heaven, the singing of heaven, all the, the wonderful things about heaven and then go to hell and never even seen the kingdom of God. Jesus is looking at a man that's looking through the scope of religion and said, if you don't get born again, you'll not even see this kingdom. I want to tell you, friend, to be raised in church all your life and go to hell without God and never see the kingdom of God would be the greatest tragedy in this world. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, a lost man, a natural man cannot uh, receive the things of God. His mind is darkened. And though here's a man that no doubt probably could quote the Pentateuch, he probably knew the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the law, the books of Moses. Uh, we're not talking about little books, by the way. We're talking about Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Here's a man that knew the word of God. He wore the word of God woven into his very clothes. Uh, he was full of religion, but yet he cannot understand the terminology of being born again. You know, you'd be amazed the people that tell you they're saved, people that'll tell you they're going to heaven. But when you slide a Bible in front of them and say, now tell me how to go to heaven. Tell me what it means to be saved. Tell me what it is to know Christ. Uh, you'll be amazed the same people that'll tell you they're saved. They don't, know they don't know how to tell you to get saved. They can't tell you how to get born again. I think people have learned to tell preachers, oh, I'm saved. Gets them off their back. They've learned to, to use that phrase, save, save, save. Remember the Philippian jailer asked the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'll tell you, it's simple to be saved, amen? Put your faith in the gospel. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Realize you're a sinner. Realize Jesus came and he died to save you. Realize that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent of your sins and ask Christ to be your savior. The tragedy 
of this text is that here's a man that knows much about God, but he doesn't know God. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin? Do you look through the eye of religion or through the eye of salvation this morning or this evening? We see that Jesus gives him a physical illustration in verse number five. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now what Jesus does is he gives Nicodemus three illustrations. He gives him this first illustration. It's a physical illustration. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh in verse number eight. And that which is born of spirit is spirit, verse number six. And he said, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He talks about that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. He's making a distinction between a natural birth and a spiritual birth. He is giving him a physical illustration. Nicodemus, you know what it is to be born physically. What does it mean to be born spiritually? He gives him a physical illustration. Then Christ gives him a natural illustration. Look at verse number eight there. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeneth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know, you can't see the wind, can you? You say, oh, but preacher, I, I've, seen the, I've seen the dust come up and I've seen, and I've seen uh, the leaves move and, and you've seen the results of the wind passing by, but you don't see the wind. Uh, but you know what you can do? You can stand in it and you can feel it and you can know when the wind passes by and so it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. I can't explain about the wind. I'm not a meteorologist uh, and even if I was, uh, there's things about the wind that they cannot explain. The wind within itself. It's a mystery how that it comes and it moves all across this world. This world cannot survive without the wind. It would burn up in less than 24 hours. The world cannot hold together without the wind. The wind keeps everything intact. I want to tell you, my friend, that's the way salvation is. In essence, it is a mystery because we can't explain everything about the wonder of wonders of salvation, but thank God we can experience it. Amen? I'll tell Take it a step further and say you can feel it, amen? You're not saved on our feelings, but I'm glad that when you get saved, you will feel something every now and then when the wind starts blowing, hallelujah. If you know Jesus Christ, you know when the wind blows. I mean, when they sing a song or the preacher preaches a sermon, you know when he's just preaching, but then you know when he's preaching and the wind starts blowing and God starts working and God starts moving. I'm glad for the day the wind blew in my life, hallelujah, put me under conviction. I didn't know God, but I knew something was happening, amen. You say, what's that? The wind bloweth where it listeneth. And now here's the sound thereof. You know what the first wind of God I heard? It was a still, small voice. Spoke to my heart and said, you need to be saved. It wasn't, it wasn't fire, it wasn't an earthquake. Uh, you remember Elijah when he was in that cave? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, all the big uh, theatrics. It was just a still, small voice. I want to tell you something about getting saved. Uh, it's coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's what conviction is. Uh, when you come to the realization, I'm a sinner and I can't, I can't save myself uh, and I need God to save me. And Jesus Christ, uh, when that becomes real to you uh, and God begins to draw you, you know that's real and you know that's God I'm talking about that's the wind blowing in your life friends Jesus gives him a 
physical, he gives him a natural illustration and then he leads to a spiritual illustration in verse number 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, when I think about Jesus dealing with this man, Jesus knew that he was blind. And so Christ doesn't give him the law, the word of God to begin with. He doesn't take him straight to Moses. He should have known all about that, shouldn't he? But Jesus gradually opens his eyes by talking about physical birth, by talking about a natural illustration, the wind. And what's Christ doing? He's leading him up to that point and he brings him to that text and he says, you know, he knew all about Moses lifting up the serpent in that wilderness uh, and Jesus takes the Bible. He takes the word of God and he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wanna tell you, that's a great illustration of salvation tonight. And friend, Jesus Christ was lifted up. That cross that we worship, that we sing about, that cross that we preach about, that cross that we worship around, uh, it's because the man that was on that cross, uh, he gave his life for you and I. And I'll tell you, the world's greatest tragedy is that you would hear the gospel and not be saved tonight. To die lost without God, to know the gospel, would be torment within itself in eternity the world's greatest tragedy. And then I think about the world's greatest truths. In verse number 11, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, yet and ye receive not our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall they you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, uh, we speak that we do know, we testify that we've seen, but he said, you've not received my, received my witness. Uh, he's trying to pull the scale off Nicodemus's eyes. Uh, he's trying to get Nicodemus to leave religion and see that religion will not do. We can say a lot of things about God. We can talk a lot of lingo and we can say things, uh, but the, where the rubber meets the road uh, is, is your eyes been opened? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus Christ? Amen. Here's a man that Christ has to bring him to the point that he realizes he cannot see. He's blind that he needs to see the right way. Oh, this, this evening, if you're lost without God, don't hold on to anything. Don't hold on to the things of this world. Don't hold on to a profession of faith. You know, I, I'm careful with people about making two and three and four professions. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what it takes to get to the point of salvation. But I'm saying as a preacher, I'm not quick to just lead somebody through a prayer when I know they've already made a profession of faith. I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit's dealing with them. I want them to have peace, don't you? You may be here tonight and say, well, I don't know if I'm lost. and Well, a recap's not going to do you any good. Another profession's not going to get you anywhere. You say, well, preacher, how do you know if you're lost? Ask God to show you. You see, tonight, uh, just the other day, someone came to the altar and they, they prayed, they, they tried to get saved. And, and you know what was in my heart was that person's probably saved. I didn't tell them that. But after church, my wife and I was speaking to them for just a few moments and they're not here tonight. And they'd been through some great tragedy, 
some even that week. And so as we were talking, I said, let me ask you something. I said, did you ask God to save you? They said, I tried to, but said it was the most fool. I felt so foolish. I said, what do you think about that? They said, I, I think I'm saved. You see, you can only get saved one time. Amen. John 5 and verse 24 is one of the great, greatest verses on assurance of salvation. Jesus makes it very clear. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see, if you've ever been saved, then you're still saved tonight, amen? And if you've never been saved, uh, then you still have the same co condemnation on your shoulders. Uh, and listen, nothing you can do will ever satisfy you in that. You've got to get born again. But if you're here tonight and you know that you're saved, uh, the devil may try to trip you up. He may add a lot of questions. But can I tell you something? When it comes to your soul, God's not going to put you in a yo-yo of asking you questions about your soul. God works in absolutes tonight. Conviction is not confusion. Amen. Conviction is absolute. If you've ever been under conviction, here's what you know. The Lord deals in absolutes. He'll say, you're lost. You need to be saved. You, and that preacher's preaching to you. You remember that? Hey, I'm talking to you is what the Lord will say. You need to come. You need to get born again. You don't have what it takes to be saved. You're not ready to meet God. That's how God deals with you. And he uses his word to do that. Now the devil will creep up sometimes and he'll say, well, what if you didn't say the right things? Well, what if you was too young and you didn't understand everything? Can I tell you something? The day I got saved, I didn't understand everything. Anybody here understood everything the day you got saved about salvation? No. I didn't understand. You know what I knew? I knew I didn't want to go to hell is what I knew. And that's good enough for me, and that's good enough for God. And the best way I knew how, I went to God. I didn't even know what kind of prayer you're supposed to pray. I didn't know. You, you know, somebody told me later on, well, did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Well, not in, not in those words. I didn't ask him to come into my heart. Did you ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior? And that's a good prayer to pray. But I didn't ask him in those words. You say, what did you say? Oh, God, don't send me to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And I looked to Calvary, and I looked to Jesus, and I believe that was the only way out of the pit of sin I see it. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you something. It was good enough for God. It's good enough for me. It may not be good enough for the devil, but it don't make no difference anyway. He don't have an input in this. Don't let the devil rob you of your joy anymore. You say, well, I'm just a six-year-old boy or a seven-year-old girl. I want to tell you something. If God knocked on your heart's door and showed you you as a sinner and showed you you needed to get in and you came and you responded the best way you knew how at six years old, then thank him for it. Amen. It's good enough for him. It needs to be good enough for you tonight. Amen. You say, well, I just don't know if I can trust it. Stop trusting it and start trusting him. Amen. Hey, we're not charismatic. Can somebody say amen to that? What I mean by that is I thank God for experiences. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I thank God for the experience of salvation. But don't trust your experience and make your experience what your salvation is about. You need to trust the God of your experience. Amen. You say, well, I went to that altar and I cried tears. That's wonderful. But there's a lot of people that got saved that went to an altar and they never shed the first tear, but they trusted the same God. They trusted the same book and they got saved by the same 
of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying it's not in an experience. It's in the Lord, amen. You know why I preach that? Because I see people, they'll hear testimonies. Brother Barnes had a great testimony, didn't he, about how God changed him. But my testimony wasn't Brother Barnes. He went out preaching to everybody when he got saved. Do you know when I got saved, I wouldn't go to church that night and confess it publicly? It wasn't that I was ashamed. It was I was shy. I didn't want to go in front of people. If you've ever stood up here and looked at people, you would understand why. Looking at one of them is okay, but looking at 200 of them will make anybody nervous. I didn't want to go. And I found out later, somebody said, well, you probably didn't get saved. Uh, Listen, it didn't happen that way. I didn't get up shouting when I got saved. And I love it when people come up shouting. I I didn't come up shouting. I did come up weeping when I got saved. Uh, But not everybody weeps when they get saved. I'll tell you what I know. I know the best way that I knew how. I put my faith in Jesus. Uh, I put my faith in the word of God. Uh, I knew that it was him or hell. uh, And I took him over hell. Uh, I knew that I couldn't help myself. But thank God he reached out a hand and he helped me and he did that for you and trust him. Don't trust him, trust him tonight, amen. He'll save you. Somebody asked me one time, they said, you think kids can get saved in Bible school? I said, if they're under conviction, they can. I said, but I'm not taking 15 of them in a room and praying them through a sinner's prayer. Amen, but I'm not against that. If somebody got saved in Bible school, as long as they were under conviction. I remember one night preaching in a penitentiary. Brother Laddie, you, you might have been there. Some of the men of the church was there. It had been several years ago. And a young black boy about, he was probably 19, 20 years of age. He come down. We was in a little old church. It was probably, it was, it was on the, they had, a, they had built a penitentiary around and there was an old church in the middle of it. And uh, that night we, we had service, and I don't tell you something, you talk about, they were standing, they had the doors open, standing outside. And that church, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't move. I mean, I, I'm glad I had been in a Baptist church for years and been around some rough, tough people because we were shoulder to shoulder in that little church. Charles Roach was there, Brother Roach was there. I said, Brother Charles, I said, I'm as nervous right now as if I was in a deacon's meeting. <laughs> they laughed, y'all ought to laugh. I mean, we were crammed in there. And I remember that night, I gave the invitation, this, this boy come down here to the altar, they were dealing with some other people, so I just knelt down there, had a brand new Bible somebody just gave me. And that boy, I took him to the plan of salvation, and I said, son, would you like to be saved tonight? He said, I, I want to be saved. I said, you ever been in church? He said, I've never been in church. This was the first time he'd ever been in church and heard the gospel. (laughs) I said, you want to be saved tonight? He said, I do. I said, call on the Lord and ask him to save you. He tried to pray a few times and finally he stopped and he looked at me. He said, I don't know how to ask Jesus to save me. I said, you just ask. He said, will you help me? I've never done it in my life, but I tell you, I did it that night. I said, my words won't save you, but I said, if you'll 
say these words and mean them to the Lord, they'll save you. I said, dear Lord, and right before I got three, he said, dear Lord Jesus. I thought, man, this, I started feeling pretty good myself on that. I said, God, he said, God, I said, God, be merciful to me. He said, be merciful to me, a sinner. I mean, that boy was praying. I got in there with him. I really started liking it. I said, save my soul from a devil's hell. He said, oh, he just left me in the tracks. He said, oh, God, save me from a devil's hell. I mean, he left me in the tracks, started praying. He got saved that night. I want to tell you something. The word of God's what our assurance is. Amen. The Bible said, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? An experience? No. Faith in a preacher? No. Faith in I did everything right? No. Faith in the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm glad for the day I heard the word of God. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you heard the word of God, if you've been pricked in the heart by the Holy Spirit, tonight's the night. This is the time to come. You need to be saved. Don't turn God away. Now's your opportunity to be saved tonight. The world's greatest truths. And then, verse 16, the world's greatest text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that's not the shortest verse in the Bible. But it sure is the most remembered verse in the Bible. If anybody in this, ver- in this congregation tonight knows any verse, I bet you know that verse. God puts something in that verse that grabs hold of everybody that hears it. For God so loved the world. Don't you thank him for that tonight? I'm telling you, he didn't love the rocks and the rivers and the hills and the trees and the prairies, but he loved the souls of men. God looked down and saw as a sinner, knew we could not save ourselves. When I didn't love God, he loved me. When I didn't know God, he knew where I was. When I wasn't looking for God, thank God he came looking for me. When I couldn't find him, I'm glad he could find me. When I couldn't reach up, I'm glad he could reach down. When I couldn't get to where he was because of the gulf, that separated me from him when I couldn't come to him hallelujah I'm glad for the day that he stepped down and he came to me for God so loved the world he loved us enough that he gave hallelujah he gave God gave everything when he gave Jesus he gave heaven's best when he gave Jesus he broke the bank when he gave Jesus God had a lot of angels and he had a lot of silver and he had a lot of gold and he had a lot of diamonds and a lot of rubies and a lot of things God had, but he only had one son. And he gave that son so that you and I could be saved. Isn't that wonderful? You ever got a gift that you just didn't like? I mean... I remember when I was 14 years old, my aunt, she crocheted me a dolly. I don't know what she was thinking. I'm a 14-year-old boy. Wonder I didn't grow up a sodomite. She gave me that. She gave, I remember opening that box. I can still remember Miss Cape. It was in a triangular box. I was thinking, well, it ain't a football or maybe it's a pocket knife, you know. 
I'm thinking all these things, you know. We didn't get a lot of gifts growing up, but she was so proud. I could tell by the look on her face. I thought, this is probably the greatest gift I'm ever going to receive. And it was, a, it was a dolly. I opened that up, and I mean, I thought, she's got, she, she meant to give that to my mother is what she meant. I remember I got whipped that night for being unappreciated. <laughs> My dad wound up using it as a grease rag. It didn't even, didn't even make it to a table. They didn't even use it. <laughs> Most disappointing gift I ever got in my life. I was ungrateful. I should have been whipped, amen. But I was shocked. Who gets a boy gets a dolly for a gift? Don't ever give your son or grand. They, I mean, you'll mess them up if you, especially in this day and time. But uh you know, I went home and I, I was disappointed. I want to tell you something, though. I've never been disappointed in the Lord. It's a gift that keeps on giving. You said it right tonight when you said it's the greatest gift, eternal life. I'm telling you tonight, Christmas will come and Christmas will go. We buy gifts for our loved ones and, and they appreciate it. And I know that. But I'll tell you, after a while, they all rust and rot and they fade away. And, and sometimes, as you said, we don't even remember what we received. Just our minds forget those things with time. And that's the way it is. But I want to tell you, if you know Jesus tonight, if you've been saved, I promise you hadn't forgot that. It's a gift that's just as real and just as rich tonight as it was the day that it was given unto you. Told Nathan, he said, we were sitting there in the fellowship hall. He said, Nathan said, he said, I I just want to know how you you get saved. I said, Nathan, it's like this. Because he said, I want to do, he said, I'm trying to do everything. I said, you can't do nothing. I said, it's just, I picked up a pencil. I said, it's just, or a pen. I said, it's just like this right here. If this is, and I want to give you this. I want to give you this, these pair of glasses tonight. You can't do anything to get it because I'm not, you're not working for this. I'm giving you this. The only thing you can do tonight with these glasses is either accept it or reject it. You know, many have rejected, haven't they? There may be somebody here tonight, if I was to say, I would go down this aisle and say, I want to give you these. You might say, thank you, but no thank you. You might say, well, I'm just really not sure if I want that right now. They might come to this one, and he might say, oh, thank you, and receive the gift. And it's yours. It's yours. I want to tell you that's how simple it is to be saved. Receive the gift tonight. Holy Spirit deals with your heart and says, you need to be saved. Listen, he, God doesn't do that because he wants to be mean to you. God does that because he loves you. He don't want you to go to hell. He don't want you to lose your soul. He, he died for your soul. You say, preacher, what I need to do, step out of that aisle and receive the gift. Come to him, the gift of his son, the gift of eternal life. Oh, that's the greatest truth. That's the greatest text. Is that God loved this world enough? He gave his only birth begotten son I'll say this in closing tonight not only the world's greatest text what about the world's greatest test tonight you see the world's greatest test is will you receive Christ
The Bible makes it clear why Jesus came in verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. God makes it clear whom Jesus condemns in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want to tell you tonight, if you feel condemnation in your soul while I'm preaching tonight and you know that you're lost, that's not me making you feel that way. That's the Holy Spirit. God is not the author of confusion, but God will make it clear if you need to be saved. There'll be no questions needed to be asked. You'll know, I need to be saved tonight. Don't let pride keep you in the seat. Don't let what somebody would say or somebody would think keep you from getting saved. Don't sit there tonight and say, well, you know, I think I'm okay. If you've got to tell yourself over and over you're okay, you're probably not okay. Because the Holy Spirit never says, you're okay. He gives you a deep, settled assurance. And it's not an okay, it's a peace that passeth all understanding. Do you have that peace tonight? I'll tell you, this world's never going to know peace until they know the Prince of Peace. There'll never be peace in the Middle East until Jesus comes. I don't care what they say. It's a false peace. But one day he's going to come and there will be peace on this earth. But tonight as we, as we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, do you, are you saved tonight? Just the other day someone wrote a letter. And I read that letter. It said this. It said, name the place, the little church right over here in Tryon, Georgia. On a Thursday night. 62 years of age, she said, you preached on hell that night. She said, I've been a member of a church, a good church, all my life. And she said, I never had no peace. But she said that night, she said, I came to the Lord and got born again. That's been over 17 years ago. She got saved. She got saved. How about it tonight? Do you know that? Do you have that peace? Do you know that tonight? 